Hey, this is the Thrive Church Podcast. Our hope is this message will help you thrive with God and thrive in life. We'd love to have you join us on a Sunday soon. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, hello, everyone. I am so glad that you're joining us this morning. And I'm really excited to share with you the word that God has put on my heart. I believe it's going to be encouraging to you and really relevant to whatever season that you're in or that's about to come up. You know, just a little word of encouragement is I want to see you guys interact while I, while I preach this morning. It's so much more fun to see people saying some amens, giving thumbs ups and hearts. So let's really engage in this message as I deliver it. And uh, it's just so encouraging to see what things are speaking to people as I'm sharing this morning. So a, a question has kind of been stirring around in me for, well, several weeks, really. And that's what I'm going to share about today. And the question is, what do you do when reality doesn't match the promises of God? What do you do when your present circumstances seem to be opposite to the promises the Bible describes as this abundant life, this wide open spacious life that God has promised? What do we do in these seasons when there seems to be way more against us than for us? It's safe to say that there are times in every human's life I'm just going to go out on a limb here that every human has looked at God going, what's happening right now? Why is this happening in my life? This can't possibly be the life that you've promised to me. You know, those times you guys, where you lose your job, you lose a loved one. There's disconnection in a relationship. You're living paycheck to paycheck, barely making it by. Maybe those times where you're suffering from depression or discouragement. Those times where there's disputes and tension in your marriage. Maybe it's something that's seemingly small, like a trip or a concert or a gift or something you were really looking forward to gets taken away. Maybe it's those times where you have a difficult decision to make in your life where there doesn't seem to be a right answer and you don't even think it's fair that you're in the position to have to make a decision, let alone knowing what to do and what to choose. You know those times where you're on that 50th date because all you really want is to find the person to spend the rest of your life with, but you feel hopeless that you're ever going to find that person. You know, those times when you get sick or a disease or a bad report, the list could go on and on and on. If even one of these things resonates with you or even comes close to something you've experienced or have seen, raise a hand, give me an amen or a yes in the comments so people know that they're not alone and I know that I'm not alone. I am confident to go out on a limb and say, if you've lived any sort of life, you've experienced a disconnect between the reality that you're experiencing and the promises God makes in the Bible to all of his children. So what do we do? 
Well, thankfully, the word of God is filled with encouragement and instruction about how to face this conundrum. There is good news and we are not alone. This is an issue that man has been dealing with since the beginning of time. Really, since the Garden of Eden, people have been dealing with this disconnect between the reality they're experiencing and the promises that God has made to them. I'm going to share out of a portion of scripture in Exodus 14, but just a little bit of backstory before we get there. So the Israelites is a tribe of people, a big group of people, and they had been slaves to the Egyptians for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They finally left Egypt. They escaped from slavery through many miracles of God, the leadership of Moses as well. They were out of slavery. They're on this journey to enter God's promised land for them. When Pharaoh's army starts approaching to attack them. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. Exodus 14, I'm going to read verses 10 to 12 first and have a little interlude. Starting in verse 10, it says, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to, that we should die in the wilderness." Here's the reality of the Israelites that the Israelites are facing. They are staring at an army about to attack them. They left Egypt and slavery with the promise for freedom and abundance, yet they are here seemingly about to face their death. So they start to tell some stories about their reality. We just read it, but let me put it in, in regular English terms, my loose translation. We are going to die. The wilderness is not worth our freedom. Have we not told you what we wanted to stay in the comfort of what we knew in slavery? We didn't want this situation before us. This looks nothing how you promised us, Moses. You promised us redemption, freedom from slavery, God's protection, that we would be God's special people, that we would live in a promised land filled with milk and honey. We would have endless provision and God would be with us. This looks nothing like you promised to us. My favorite statement, we would rather be in slavery than in the unknown of this current reality. This doesn't match up with what you promised to us. Now, a quick little sec second I'm going to take here is if you are in those situations, think about a time or maybe you're in it right now where your reality doesn't look so good. What story are you telling yourself about your situation? When disconnect happens in our lives, every person will tell themselves a story about that situation. It's a coping mechanism that justifies or clear, helps to clarify our situation so that we can manage and we can handle and we can survive what we're experiencing on this earth in the reality right before us. 
our default setting is to make ourselves feel better about the situation, try and gain some semblance of control so that we can feel safe and secure within our reality. And often this can lead to false stories, unwise action, destructive thinking like we saw with the Israelites, and really the ultimate loss of turning away from God or becoming bitter with him. And that's how the Israelites responded. And if we're being honest, I'm being honest with myself. Anyone else wants to be honest in the comments. That's how we all, all often respond when we are in situations we don't really, really like. That's our first response. When things, our reality doesn't match up with the promises of God. It's a picture, this, this Israelite story is a picture of what happens to us when we're in this wildly disconnected place in our lives from the promises of God. And I believe this portion of scripture really gives such a clear picture of our human response to pressure. But the next portion also gives a beautiful picture about how we can walk through these situations in strength. So I'm going to continue reading out of Exodus 14 in verses 13 to 14. And it's a very contrasting scene playing out from those first two verses. And there's good news. So it says, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Hidden in this scripture is the instruction, I believe, for us on how to navigate reality that doesn't seem to match up with the promises of God. And I believe there's kind of two pieces to this scripture and that it distinguishes what is our responsibility And what is God's responsibility when we're in these situations? I'm going to start with what's our responsibility. In in verse 13, right away, the first thing that Moses says is, do not be afraid. And I believe he's telling us the first instruction that is our responsibility when our realities don't line up is to manage our emotions, to manage your feelings. You know, fear was the Israelites' choice. Yes, the circumstances very well justified the feeling of fear. But Moses gives them the very first instruction to not fear, to check their emotions, to take control of their feeling of fear, to choose another response to the situation. Only they can, could manage their emotions, just like you and I are the ones that are in charge of our emotions. No one else can control how we feel but us. And if this isn't true, how can Moses be free of fear in the exact same situation as the rest of the Israelites? He's being positive when facing the same reality as them because he made a different choice on how to manage his emotions. 
I believe that as we manage our emotions and move them from a place of negative or destructive or discouraging emotions to more productive ones, then we will be able to move through the rest of the instructions in Exodus more effectively. We will be in a stronger position to deal with this mismatch of realities. So manage your emotions. Do not be afraid. The second thing right away after that in verse 13, Moses says, stand still, stand still. Now some may hear this word like I did at first and think it's like a passive position. It's kind of like lackadaisical, like I'm standing, I'm just standing here right now. It's quite unintentional. Some may even associate standing with doing nothing. But I believe this is a powerful position to place ourselves in that we're being instructed to do. Standing is a stance of faith. It is a position of strength. And standing is a really amazing gift God has given his people for our benefit. As I was digging into this, I was, I was doing some searches about like standing. Okay, well, what is this really? I found some really interesting pictures of the power of standing. Do you know that standing... There is like mil five different military stances. Standing is like a military term. There's like five different ways that you can be instructed or commanded to stand. And when you stand, when you're in the, in the military or with your, your group, it is a, a position of strength. It is a sign of unity as the whole group stands there. That you know that there's positions that based on how they're standing, that as the, the soldiers stand, they are in a position to listen to the next instruction. They are attentive. They are ready to hear what is next for them. And so it opens them up to hear the commands of their leader. Pretty amazing. God says, stand still. When I researched it even further, I came across medical journals, actual studies about what standing does for our bodies, our minds, and our emotions. And do you know that standing is important to our mental, physical, and emotional health? So I'm going to summarize a whole bunch of trends that I saw in my research just to give you a picture of the gift of standing still, that it is a place of strength. To summarize a few physical benefits, do you know it standing improves your range of motion in your ankles, spine, hips, knees? It improves your digestion, your motor skills, your circulation. Standing can normalize your respiratory function and prevent ulcers, pressure ulcers. It can prevent osteoporosis. This was kind of cool. Standing can actually reverse the effects of osteoporosis. It can improve, standing improves your endurance and your tolerance. Amazing. There are also psychological benefits. Do you know, this is medical studies. Standing can, a standing can help prevent depression, mood disorders. It decreases fatigue, improves cognition and alertness. God created the human body to function well when it's standing. There's actually even a TED Talk, if any of you are into TED Talks, and it's on the power pose. And it's this big, I wouldn't say trend, it's actually medically proven, but it's this whole talk on, 
on a power pose. So it's where you stand, like shoulders back, you can go hands up or hands on your side. It's called a power, power pose. And if you hold this pose for two minutes, it is medically proven to decrease your cortisol levels and increase your testosterone levels. Now, why is that important? Well, cortisol is the hormone that addresses stress in your life. So when your cortisol is high, you are stressed. But being in a standing pose, a power pose, decreases your cortisol levels so your stress is in a manageable place so that you can perform at your best, so you can think as clearly as possible. Power pose increases testosterone. Testosterone is like our, in layman terms, like kind of like our strength hormone. It makes us feel like we can do this. I am powerful. I am strong. And that's what increases as you stand still. How amazing is this instruction to stand still that God gives through Moses in Exodus? These are just the physical and emotional. Now, standing benefits us in every way, including spiritually. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 in the Passion talks about standing. It says, stand firm and secure. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Standing is active. It's a stance of faith. You know how much confidence it would take to stand strong and stand still when you're facing enemies charging at you like the Israelites? I don't know about you, but when I've been faced with these kinds of realities versus promises of God that don't match, my first response is to sit or to hide or to sleep or to try and figure it out and get really, really busy to process it. But God's way of doing it is to stand in faith. And as we do, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 will come alive in your heart. How about this for a picture in Jeremiah 17, 8? Could we not be more like the trees in Jeremiah 17, 8? It says, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For it, its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Trees aren't flimsy. Trees aren't weak. They are strong and firm and planted. Their roots go down deep and sustain them through years of drought and years of abundance. Isn't that interesting? It says there will be years of drought meaning there, there will be disconnect between, I'm supposed to be a fruitful tree, but there's drought. Okay, there's also years of abundance, but be like the trees. Envision these trees when you hear the instructions stand still, because no matter what the reality around them is, as they stand firm and planted into the soil where their roots are dug down deep, it is that nourishment from God, that nourishment that makes them thrive and flourish in every season. How cool is that? Okay, so now that's our responsibility, to manage our emotions and to stand still or stand firm. So what's God's responsibility? Everything 
else. We read in Exodus, it goes on in verse 13 and 14, that he will deliver you. He will fight for you. His responsibility is to work things together for good in your life, to be true to his word and his character, to never leave you, to never disappoint you. He is always up to something, even when we feel like our reality doesn't line up with his promises. And, you know, just to tie this in and give you such a beautiful picture of letting God be responsible for everything else. I want to read to you out of Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. It's in the English Standard Version. And if, you know, if you've been in church for any amount of time, it could be a fairly familiar passage of scripture for you, but something kind of jumped out to me that's different this week that ties into this message. It says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, like I said, this is a fairly common verse. But what jumped out to me this time around as I was preparing was the statement, do you not perceive it. It's talking here, God is always doing a new thing. He can make rivers in the desert. He's making a way in the wilderness. It's not that that just starts. He's saying, I am doing this. Do you not perceive it? It is not a question of if he's doing it, but rather do you perceive it? And, you know, I looked up the the definition of the word perceive. And to perceive something, it means to become aware or conscious, to come to realize or understand. It means to interpret or look on something or someone in a particular way. So God is saying, I'm doing all this stuff. I am taking care of my responsibilities. I am doing new things in your life constantly. I am making rivers. I'm carving them in the desert. I am making a way in the wilderness. Will you become aware and conscious of it? Will you come to realize or understand? What are you perceiving in your situation Are you like the Israelites perceiving that fear really, and it's the right response to this situation? Or can you perceive that God is actually fighting for you? Can you calm your heart and your mind, checking your emotions long enough to perceive what God is doing rather than perceiving the parts of the story you don't like or that don't sit right with you? I mean, a little bit of a side note, but it applies as well is what's so interesting about this verse as well is that, you know, the Israelites, it says like, do not remember the former things. And as the the Israelites look back on the former life that they had, they idealized the past. They romanticized the past, but let's be real. They were slaves. They were in bondage. They were not free people. Yet how many times do each of us look at our past and go all longingly staring at it when really maybe we were in bondage in that past situation? 
maybe that wasn't as beautiful and fruitful and fond as we are romanticizing it to be. But by them looking at the past and when we look at the past, it can put us in shackles within our current situation and keep us from being able to instead say to God, what am I not perceiving here? Now, this is all well and good to look at this example and try and apply it to this Old Testament story and okay, an army's charging at you, but what about 2020? Like, how does this apply to my 2020 life? Well, let's talk about a real example that would happen today. How about losing your job? That's very real. It's very disheartening. It's very scary. So, there's a couple ways that we can approach this if we apply Exodus 14. Story number one can go something like this. God, why have you left me in a lurch? You say, you say you provide all my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And then you take my job away? How does this line up, God? You know I have bills to pay. You know the family that I have to support. You, you know how hard I worked at this job, right God? Come on, you know that. How could you put me in this situation? Why is this my reality? Story number two is option two from Isaiah 43. Do you not perceive it? And it might go something like this. Okay, your word says that you are my provider, that you have good plans for me, that my future is filled with hope, that you take care of me. You say my orders are stepped and you always bring me from glory to glory. Or that's a fancy way of saying from one good thing to the next. So Lord, what are you wanting me to do next? I thought where you had me before was pretty great. But if this job is taken out of my life, it must mean you have a better step for me. Something else you need me to step into. People I need to meet and impact. Show me that next step. I am standing here waiting for your instruction. What am I not perceiving? When we tell our story, we tell ourselves does not match the story that God tells us through his word. Look again. It is an opportunity to dig deeper, to stand strong and bring your faith and your hope in line with what the word says and not diminish the word to the level of our experience. If there's something that you and I are not experiencing on this earth that God has promised in the Bible, it's not something wrong with God because he does not withhold from his children. He is not spiteful or mean or greedy. No, it says that he loves his children and that he does exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine. So what am I not perceiving? Do you not perceive that God is fighting for you? So Exodus is so clear and beautiful in its instruction. One, we will have a reaction and an emotion when there's disconnected experiences in our lives. But manage your emotions. Do not be afraid. Two, stand still. Stand firm. Take that posture of faith. Stand in faith with an unshakable confidence that God makes your labor productive, that your union with him brings security in all seasons of life. 
And finally, let God take care of the rest. He will fight for you. Let him deliver you. Let him work on your behalf. Allow yourself to perceive what God is doing in the seemingly disconnected times when reality doesn't match his promises. Because as Romans 8.28 says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives for we are his love we are his lover who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose for he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son trust that god is working no if you are in this season of your life where there seems to be this disconnect, you are not alone. This goes back thousands of years that human, humans have been experiencing this. And now I know there's so many people that are walking through this. So know that you are not alone, that God is on your side, and that there is a community of people that have either walked through what you have or are walking through it with you and are in the mud figuring it out with you. I hope that that encourages all of you. Now, before we go, I just want to pray for two different groups of people. If you are watching this and you're hearing about this Jesus and, and you're hearing about God and you don't know him yet, I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life. And really, that just means that you are going to say yes to God. You are going to accept the forgiveness that he went to the cross for for you, that he died for your sins, and that he rose again so that you can be right with God and that you can live this abundant life with him. If that is you and you want to make a decision for Jesus today, I want to invite you just where you are. Um, you can close your eyes. You can get on your knees. You can just sit there. Um, but I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. Thank you that you have forgiven my sins, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again so that I can be in right standing with God. Today, I accept that forgiveness. I accept your love and I'm choosing today to walk on this journey with you and to commit my life to your instruction and to follow in your ways in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, that's amazing. Welcome to the family of God. We are all rejoicing with you. Heaven is celebrating because Jesus died for you. And so if you did pray that for the first time, we want to hear from you. So actually just you, if you're comfortable enough, put it in the comments or send us a note, an email at hello at thrivecalgary.ca. And we would just love to get connected in this amazing journey that you're about to go on. Finally, I just want to pray for everyone else that's maybe going through these seasons or is just in, in kind of this unrest between reality and the promises of God. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love every person here so deeply, Father God. 
that you are a God that is true to your word, God. So anyone that is going through situations in their life where reality seems to not match up with your promises, Jesus, I'm asking that you would just renew their mind, that you would give them the ability to perceive what you are doing in their lives, that you would give them strength and stamina to stand firm, to check their emotions, Father God, in a place where they can hear from you where they can receive from you, Father God. And I thank you that you are fighting on their behalf, God, that you see their need, you see their heart, Father God, and that you are working all things together for their good. So I thank you for who you are in our lives, Jesus, and just that you would bless every person watching this abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We'd love to have you join us a Sunday soon. For more information about Thrive Church, you can go to our website, thrivecalgary.ca. See you next time.